Bean, did you know about this fantasy of mine that I am in a rock band from the 70s? <laughs> When I think that you can't be any better, you say things like that. Welcome to Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. I am your host, Maury Fontanez, intuition and purpose coach. And I'm Melissa Grushka, stomach bug survivor. Bean, today we're talking about personality tests. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Ready as I'll ever be. what's happening this week not much other than a stomach bug what's happening uh, on your end i'm sorry that you really were not feeling well this week was it food really poisoning was not i thought so but i think it was not because somebody else i was with also contracted a similar bug i'm sorry and then what did you I do think you saw me also at my worst you saw me on camera at my worst you did not look good i did not feel good i'm, sorry. I'm still not feeling my best but i'm here for it I'm here for you. Well, then this should be easy. I thought we could do a little fun thing where you tell me about the cringiest moment of your week and I could do the same. So lay it on me. Sadly, this is actually extra cringy and I don't know how how much I care to share, but I'll do it for this place. I, re- I was in DC over the break, over uh-huh. the holiday break with my kids and I met some of my college roommates at a hotel bar in Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, your old stomping grounds. And I had too much to drink and too little to eat and spent a little time at the Embassy Suites Bethesda bar bathroom. Oh, reliving some old days. I wasn't I wasn't impressed with myself. Not proud of it. Wow. Wasn't a good moment in my life. Yeah. I was, I guess, extra excited to see them. It was coming up it was coming up. Oh, well, I felt like it was going to come up. Actually, it never did. Wait, were there people in the bathroom? I don't think so. It was like 930 on a Wednesday evening in Bethesda, Maryland. It's not the most happening. What are you talking about? Bethesda, Maryland is the most happening place. Oh, right. right. Um, Bean, I think that's good. That's didn't you feel a little like, I don't know, free? Nope. Nope. (laughs) No part of me felt free. I thought, why are you doing this right now? Plus, I missed out on quality time with my friends who were not doing that to themselves and were out enjoying the lobby of the embassy suites embassy suites is also a very strange place to be hanging out i'm sorry to say no judgment here that's where everybody was staying so that's where we stayed Uh, it sounds like judgment sounds like a lot of judgment judgment. don't you hate when people do that (laughs) yeah no judgment here while i judge you (laughs) i just did it to you i'm sorry um well i'm sorry that happened and you ruined your fun time but to me it sounds like you were having a great time so top that man Oh my God. Okay. What's my cringy moment from this last week? I have six children staying in my house right now. No, five, five. My stepsons are in town plus the best friend of one, then plus the two that live here. And I actually generally feel cringy because they're at the age right now where everything I say isn't cool. Um, I called Mm. one of them the Rizzler. The Rizzler? (laughs) I love that. Personally, do you even know what that means? Do you know what Riz means? No, but I'm going to start calling you the Rizzler. But you got to love it. But it means it's short for charisma. Oh, I love that. So I said, Wait, did you make that up? Is this a thing? I mean, I don't think I made up the Rizzler. I think I heard it somewhere. But one of them had a haircut. And then we were joking about if they're going to go to school and, you know, start flirting. And I said, Look at you with your new haircut. What are you, the Rizzler? And they like, couldn't even look at me. They were so cringed oh. out. I oh, thought really? I was funny. 
I think it's funny. And I personally love the term. The Rizzler? So thanks. Anyway, so I had a cringy mom moment and it just made me feel old. Wow. I'm sorry. You'll always be the coolest person I know. Well, there's that. Thank you. (laughs) I'll take it. All right, Bean, let's get into it. This week, we're talking about personality tests, which was a passion of mine. I think when I raised it, you were like, okay, why do we want to talk about it? But I have so much to say about personality tests. I don't know why I get real triggered when they come up. How do you feel about personality tests? I've actually always wanted to take one. Um, So this was actually a wonderful opportunity. For some reason, I've been too cheap to ever pay the $12 to take the actual Enneagram one. Yeah. So I felt like this was a wonderful excuse to do it. And I was kind of surprised at how I felt about taking it. Okay. So here's the thing. I think my trigger comes from as a coach, when I'm working with people on where they're blocked or why they feel a certain way or what limiting beliefs are kind of causing them to do what they're doing. They'll do this thing where they're like, well, I'm, you know, the Enneagram, I'm a three on the Enneagram. So dot, dot, dot. Uh, You know, the, the MBTI, I'm a INTJ. So that, that explains it. And it, I think as a coach, it makes me feel like, well, hold on now. We can't really explore the multidimensionality of you as a being because you've stuck yourself in this category. And now you're going to read these results to me that you got from a test. Interesting. I would think that it would actually enhance your work because it gives you a little more insight having that knowledge like, oh, that's where you rank on that scale. So now I can use that and sort of, you know, build build on that. I mean, they don't have to be put in a container and that's it, but you could use that as a a jumping off point. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I think both are true. I think that um, maybe I'm an (laughs) a-hole. I'm like, because it didn't come through <laughs> Time this to process. Your life. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I feel like it's, it like puts us in a, in a category that we then have to work from. And then that feels like we don't get to be more curious about the person because they've decided that this is who they are and they've been told that that's who they are. But I hear you. You know what? I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that feedback into the next time. And then they'll ask me, well, what number are you? And until today, because we both decided we're going to take the Enneagram and reveal our yeah. results to each other. I'm so excited. I know. Um, that I didn't know what mine was. So they'd be like, well, what are you? And I'm like, I don't, I don't, how do I tell you in the middle of this session that I don't take those tests? But I now do. I just and I have another thought. Yeah. You can use that as a learning point for your clients to say, this is not all you. There are so many other parts of you. This is one part of you. True that. Agree. You know what? Maybe I should coach you should. and you should just uh, listen up, buddy. <laughs> You're right. Next time I'll be like, I'm going to bring in Bestie. Um, I want to know why you think they're so popular. I think spirituality is having like a massive resurgence. I mean, I'm sure they've been popular before this, but I feel like even, I mean, even astrology, I feel like is on the rise. People, um, even businesses are starting to pay attention to things like this, that they've never, you know, batted an eyelash at before. I just think it's on the rise and people are becoming more aware of it and being interested. You find this somehow spiritual? Oh, I I think it's completely spiritual. How? You don't? No, tell me. I don't know. It's about the psyche. It's about like who you are inside. Well, I felt that way about the Enneagram. It's all about like what motivates you internally and I don't know who, who is your true being. Yeah. I I found that to be spiritual. What would you label that? Okay. I mean, I think that, yes, spirituality is constantly asking you to understand who you are really and why you're here. So from that standpoint, I can see how 
this helps you know yourself better. And so it's tangential right. to that journey. I can see that. I think um, maybe it doesn't feel spiritual to me because it feels so contained and it feels so yes. prescribed. I get that. And spirituality to me is more of like a figuring it out yourself. But I get that it could start a spiritual journey or help you understand yourself better. I do think it's popular, one, because people are trying to understand themselves, but it's become really popular because organizations are using them so much. And this is where I think it gets a little sinister. Yeah. That I agree with. I think that they are organizations are understanding the trend of understanding ourselves better and being more woke and being more inclusive, supposedly. Um, and so they give these tests as a way to like facilitate this conversation, right? And that's made them popular because now you're taking it at work or it's it's come up at work. But the sinister part for me comes from like how is it then used? Are you being labeled then? Right by that suddenly. And then you are compartmentalized, which is yeah, the problem totally. with it. All right. Well, we decided when we were thinking about this episode that we were going to look into two of the most popular ones and teach each other a little bit about them. Who wants to go first? I'm going to hit it. Oh, I feel damn. like I'm kind of nervous you did much more in-depth <laughs> research. So I want to start. I don't want to follow you. Okay, go. I'm going to go. So I was assigned the Enneagram, which actually I, I'm not, I wasn't even assigned it. I chose that of the two because I have always been curious about it. And I did want to see. Um, so I'm going to give you a really quick background. No joke. I have a full like stack of papers. So wow. maybe I'm the history nerd. You look like a professor right now. I know. I highlighted things. I asked my five-year-old, do you have that highlighter you had the other day anywhere? He was like, yeah, I'll get you that highlighter. <laughs> okay, real quick, real quick. The origins are a little funny, a little murky. Mm. Some people say it was some Christian mystic in the fourth um, century. Some people say it was actually traced back to Greek, Islamic, and Jewish teachings. Wow. Nobody totally is clear. That's a very big leap from a Christian I mystic. I know. Okay. I know. Right. So it does have like murky origins. And I think that that is actually one of the reasons people are sort of like, what? Yeah. Um, and then some other dude came in and assigned the term Enneagram. Um, his name was G.I. Jert. G.I. Joe? G.I. Joe came in and he was like, let's make this personality test. He just assigned the term. Okay. But it was popularized by this dude, uh, Claudio Naranjo, who developed and taught and kind of created his own ideas around it and brought that to the States. He just passed away in 2019. Oh, so re like recently from, from fourth century mystic, we've moved forward. Correct. So now we've moved here and then it sort of gained popularity in the 70s. I think that was when he was really popularizing things. And then in the 80s, a bunch of, you know, Americans were like, oh, I'm going to write books about this. So there a bunch of stuff took off from there. Wait, and it makes a lot of sense that this kind of stuff takes hold in the 70s, because that's really a time of major self-exploration. And totally, you know, this is also when you see psychedelics taking form and all of that. Yeah, which we're kind of seeing again. I know. Oh, no, we're back. I almost feel like it's a similar vibe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to lie, I've always felt drawn to the 70s. Like, I've always felt like that would have been a really great vibe for me. So maybe I'm about to enter this, like, wait, <sighs> Bean, did you know about this fantasy of mine that I am in a rock band from the 70s? <laughs> <laughs> Bean. Bean. When I think that you can't be any better, you say things like that. No, seriously. Like, um, okay, <laughs> my favorite book, fiction that I read in the last five years is Daisy Jones and the Six. They just turned into an Amazon series. Have you watched it? No. Oh my God. It's so good. But when I read that book, I was like, I, this is a past life or something because I feel so drawn to this idea of like being a drugged out rock and roll star in the 70s. Yes. 
Yes. I don't want to be a rock star. Oh, you don't? See, that's the difference between us. And I believe our Enneagram and our other personality tests will show that that's not my vibe. Bean, good transition. Thank you. Thank you. I do this for a living. So I didn't even realize it was so long. And in fact, when you took it, you texted me and you were like, this is so long. 40 minutes. Uh, It says... It said to give yourself 40 minutes, which I think is a fair, I don't know. It only took me about 25, but I say a lot 40 minutes because it recommends doing it in one chunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to get up. I even had to pee and I got scared to get up to go pee. No, don't get out of your vibe. You got to keep that flow going. Yeah. Um, Keep that flow, but you know. But not that flow. um, But not that flow. You know, you know know where I I was going. I just didn't know if I could say it. Okay. Anyway, um, it's a personality test. I think I said it before. It really gets into your psyche. It talks about internal motivations rather than external behaviors, which I thought was hmm. kind of more interesting, like how you tick yeah. versus what you're really doing. True. We just discussed it, which I thought was super interesting, that it is promoted in businesses and in a spirituality context, which I feel like those two for so long never intersected. Mm-hmm. I mean, ever. And now True. suddenly it's being used professionally. But it's also still being used in a in the spirituality world as well. Now I see why you went to spiritual because I was researching the 16 personality types, which is based off of the Meyer Briggs. Right. And that felt a little bit more like corporate to me or work career wise. I agree. And yours does sound like it's a little more spiritual. All right. I'm with you. Wait, can I just say you you did teach me a lot about Enneagram just now. You were very nervous that I was going to be geeking out. Look at the stack and like, of papers. I know. You, I'm now a little worried. I don't have as much detail on the 16 personality type. I have okay. so many notes. You do. circled things. Wait, can I ask you a question though? Okay, so it's not like this, this Enneagram just showed up and people accepted it. Like, Do you have a sense of what the criticism has been around Enneagram? Uh, the main criticism, I, which I did look into because I was like, hmm, this, every, this can't be for everybody. Right. A lot of it was that there's no science. This isn't based in anything, really. It's not based in science. It's not based in anything. It's pseudoscience. And who knows who made it up on top of that. Right. I have my own personal criticism. I feel like it's more applicable once we talk about what my answers were. Okay, wait, fun. So you took it. I took it. I really want to guess each other's type. So do I. That's my most excited moment. So Enneagram, Enneagram is numbers. Oh, yes. It's numbers. I should have said that. It puts you into one of nine personalities. That's the main thing. And then there's all these wings and extra things that I can go into, but I feel like it's more confusing. The main idea is you are labeled as one of these nine personalities. And what are the nine? The nine are these. Type one, the reformer. Type two, the helper. Type three, the achiever. Type four, the individualist. Type five, the investigator. Type six, the loyalist. Type seven, the enthusiast. Type eight, the challenger. And type nine, the peacemaker. So with that alone, I was I had a feeling I would be one of two. I, I feel like I know exactly which one you are. Wait, are we ready to reveal our results? Okay, I am so ready. All right, who goes first? I'm going to guess yours. Then you tell me what it was, okay? Okay. I, okay, listen, I struggled when I was, I took my own test. I got my results. I'm in between two for you. I'm so excited. I think you're either a type six, which is the loyalist, or a type two, which is the helper. (laughs) You're giggling. (laughs) Do I tell you my answer now? Yeah, yeah. What was it? So my main one was type two, the helper, but I came in really close second with the loyalist. Yes, I knew it. 
I read I read the description. And I was like, this is Bean. You are so the loyalist, though, in so many ways. Okay, wait. Explain I know. what the hell type two is. Okay. Like, what is it? Well, let me get back to my paperwork as well. Can I make a comment about me being a type two? Please. The Enneagram test itself, the website, said a lot of women are twos. Are, end up being type twos. Not because that's truly how they are, but because that's how we've been programmed to think and work. However, even reading the type two personality, I really do feel like it's applicable to me in some ways, not in all ways. So a lot of it is based on like what your basic fears and your basic desires are. So my type two is empathetic, sincere, and warm hearted, friendly, generous, and self-sacrificing. Yep. Can also be sentimental, flattering, and people pleasing. Yeah. People pleasing came up a lot, and I didn't love that for me personally. Mm, I agree. Because I feel like I genuinely like to help people. It's not to please them. It's yeah. because I just enjoy doing it. Okay, but I, is that pause. selfish? Yeah. Why do you enjoy doing it? I don't know. I enjoy I just enjoy helping other people. I have no idea why. I just that's just always what I'm drawn to. What when you're helping someone, what are you getting out of it? I don't know. I like to see other people succeed and do well, and view things in a way that they maybe wouldn't have otherwise. Because? I don't know. Are you coaching me right now? I really, honestly, I don't know. A little bit. I love that. What Do, do you I have to pay you? Well, we'll talk about that <laughs> offline. No, okay. but really, like you want to see them succeeding. Why? Because I think that a lot of people have so much potential, untapped potential. Yeah. I think people are really hard on themselves. I feel... I think of myself as a pretty confident person and I think that other people should have that in their lives and I think it would make people do better and be better. Yes. World peace. World yes. peace. I you know do you remember <laughs> that friends episode where Phoebe is like there is no act that is 100% altruistic? Yes. 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 So there's yes. something about I agree yes. with that. I don't know. So what is it? Get to it, coach. I don't know. We are in the end of the day, no matter how loving and empathetic and kind and helpful we are, we are yeah. egoic, self-centered beings. Like literally, I mean, in order to survive, we have to be thinking totally. about self at all times. And I always find that when people are in this mode of helping, even though it has maximum impact externally, it has an even bigger impact on the way we feel about ourselves internally. And we do I it- I kind of don't love that. I know because it feels selfish, but I think if we it didn't, selfish. but if we didn't think of selfish in such a judgmental way, but we thought about it as like, you are self, you perceive life through the lens of self. You do right. not perceive life through the lens of anything other than what makes up self. And so self has to somehow be in the equation. Otherwise, I think we get to this really toxic selflessness, which is martyrdom. Which they did discuss a lot that this can be there's an issue with boundaries for people who are, don't have a healthy relationship with being a two that they can't say no and that they will sacrifice their own needs, which I can say I have done probably a significant amount of times in my life, sacrifice my own being and my own self and what I've needed. But I feel like where I am now, I'm ready to pay more attention to myself. Well, yeah, you're evolving. I think the unlock for you is around why helping makes you feel so good. Yes. And now I want to know. I could give you a guess. <gasps> I would love that. I was well, going to ask you, do you have an idea or are you just asking me? It's absolutely the same for anyone I coach actually who has this, which also I have this trait, which is that it what? goes back to how we believed as we started 
creating self-identity, we added value to a situation. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Right? In good ways and in bad ways. Yeah. Is there nothing to be said, though, that we're born with these personalities? 100%. These personality tests are telling us that that's just who I was. I came out and I was like, even with my own kids, they're all so different. Yeah. You know, they were all born with these totally different personalities. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think that you're born with certain things that then through life experience turn into personality. So like you're born with empathy or you're born as an empath. That then meets a group of people, mom, dad, sister, brother, who need some form of like care from you, emotional. We can sense when we're young, shit, this is the role I've got to play in order to keep everyone okay. And so that empathy that is your natural born thing is then applied in a situation where you're trying to gain security, which turns into a personality of being a helper. But wouldn't that almost, if I feel like that's what I capitalized on as a child, let's say out of a a stressful period of time, wouldn't that make me feel almost dirty inside when I repeat that behavior as an adult? Because I feel so fulfilled as an adult throughout most of my life helping other people. I love this question so much because it is the crux of, I think, this evolution of healing old limiting beliefs and accessing your higher self, which is that we believe that the strategy that was developed when we were little, we've somehow magically outgrown without thinking about it. And the truth is that that strategy evolves with you and grows with you and becomes implanted into you as a truth as you grow and develop. So there is no distancing from it to look at it and say, oh, this feels dirty because I'm doing it to get value. It knows how to grow with you to say, this is how you get value. Hey, remember, here's how you get value. And it gets louder and louder and louder. It becomes a part of the way that you operate. That's really interesting. Until you look at the origin of it and you're like, oh, wait, this is where I learned. Here's how I get value. Now I'm realizing that it is toxic in my life in X, Y, and Z way. Let me go back and heal the little one who believes she's got to fix mom, dad, whoever it is. Wouldn't I shift away from that if I'm trying to grow and evolve and not not almost I almost lean into that more now because I'm able to help on my own terms. Not if you don't have consciousness of it being bad for you. So if you don't understand that it that it was harming you in some way, there's no connection to oh this is a trait that is creating toxicity in my life because the consciousness isn't there that this like we were talking about. You were like how I said why do you want to help and you're like cuz I want everyone to be better. And then I said why? And you were like, because I just do. Like when the consciousness isn't there that, oh, it's because this is how I derived my value as a kid, then it's hard to be conscious of it and and see it that way. I don't like hearing it that way. Listen, this is where I think that we judge ourselves and everybody way too fucking much. Like it doesn't mean anything. It just means your very smart seven, eight, whatever your old self designed a strategy to take care of you and your family. It's brilliant. I actually think we look at her and say, thank you. That was really smart. I don't think it's dirty. Everyone does it. We got to stop being so judgmental. Anyway, I could coach you for hours on this one. I will back the fuck up. I kind of want you to, so we might have to get off. I'll call call you later. Because now I'm like, I feel like this is so much part of my identity. Yeah, totally. Which I guess it is. Look at the Enneagram starting a spiritual journey, Bean. Wow. I'm really in my head right now. Wait, okay. So you told me all the good things. In the like, generally you're this, there's also this, you can get into conflict by being. What were those for you? So it was a lot of this people-pleasing thing. And that if you become too people-pleasing 
and you feel underappreciated while you're busy people pleasing, you can become like aggressive and angry oh. that people aren't valuing what you're giving them. Did that feel true for you? That doesn't feel true about you. That doesn't feel true. So, but I think that's if you take it in that direction, there's two directions, the stress direction and the growth direction. And I feel mine is, mine is more in the growth direction Yeah, because I don't look for things in return. Yeah. That's why I, now I'm really struggling with what you just said to me about, oh, damn. because I do that because that's settling for me, but I'm really not looking for anything from anyone. You know, I just want to do it. Go think bean. Oh, oh, I will. It's time to go meditate. Okay, wait. I want to tell you really quickly before we move on to me why I thought you were either a two or a six. I kind of think the six fits you really well. The six is the loyalist, right? The committed, security-oriented type six are reliable, hardworking, responsible, and trustworthy. Excellent troubleshooters. They foresee problems and foster cooperation. They typically have problems with self-doubt and suspicion. <gasps> right? Dun, dun, dun. And at their best, they're internally stable and self-reliant, courageously championing themselves and others. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. And also, U2's Bono mm. is a six. I don't know if that helps you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So is J.R.R. Tolkien. Wait. No, 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 no. And Prince Harry. No, no. This is oh. mine. You don't get to do this. Sorry. This <laughs> no. Is mine, this is a six. I'm describing the six. Jennifer Aniston. Wait. Ellen. I wanted to tell you my favorites of the twos who are famous. Eleanor Roosevelt, who I've always been obsessed with. I think she's, she's pretty brilliant. I think she says the most brilliant things. I think she's fascinating. Very ahead of but her But then time. there are some other really good ones. Richard Simmons, oh. Lionel Richie, Paula Abdul. Yes. That's a good Bishop one. Desmond Tutu. Oh. Some good ones. Yours, I really... I, I don't know that I would... Paula Abdul and Bishop T Desmond Tutu. Come on. Do they have a lot in common? I, I don't know. We don't know either of them. It doesn't, they're both twos on the Enneagram. Yeah. So. Wow. Okay. Well, anyway. Anyway, did you feel like the six felt like you, though? The loyalist? I did. I felt like, though, honestly, I read through a bunch of them, and I kind of felt like... You could see any of to, them. Like, horoscopes. Mm. Yeah. You can, like, apply it to whatever aspect, however you want to interpret it, mm -hmm. is you can apply it to. I felt like I could take pieces of each of them and sort of apply it, which is why, at the end of the day... I don't really know how I felt about this test. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about mine. What do you guess my, I was? I guess that you were a three. Oh, what's the three? The achiever. Oh, okay. Success oriented, pragmatic type, adaptable, which is you are the most adaptable. Hmm. Uh, excelling, driven, image conscious. No. What are you talking about? No. Who cares? What? This hair? Uh, we didn't just spend 15 minutes looking at my hair on the Zoom before we started. <laughs> Self-assured, attractive. Hey, girl. Charming, ambitious, competent, energetic. It can be status conscious, highly driven for advancement, which is like the first thing I noticed about you when I met you was like it, at that workspace, you were like, I'm going to get after it. And you did. You just like were like, I'm going to do this. And then you did it. Mm. Boom. Wait, what are some of the negative traits? So your basic fear, it's not negative, but your basic fear is of being worthless, which I kind oh of my God, like that's true. applies to you. I know. That and your basic so desire is to feel valuable and worthwhile. So true. I feel like this nailed you oh. more than it nailed me. That's what she said. Bean, <laughs> Bean that joke is inappropriate yes. now. And sorry, I love it. Also, they wait, they typically have problems with workaholism and competitiveness. Okay. I'm not a workaholic. Uh, I disagree. I think you work really hard and you've worked really hard to get where you are. I disagree. Huh. But I don't get actual pleasure from working hard. I get pleasure from mm. my freedom. 
it doesn't mean I'm not saying you get pleasure from it. It doesn't oh. change the fact that you work really hard. Hmm. I think you have sacrificed some things that you wouldn't want to sacrifice because you've worked so hard. That's true. All right, Bean. Thanks. Listen, I think that was really accurate, actually, which is making me feel like I took the damn test wrong. Because Wait. oh no, I'm gonna tell oh, you right I was now. Sure, I nailed it. You're gonna fall out on the floor when I tell you what number I am. I am. Oh, are you ready? So sad. Drum roll. No. Drum roll. Girl. Da, 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 da. I'm a type two. I'm the same thing you were. No way. Yes. But I'm telling you, the test even said a lot of women. I'm not saying that you're not a helper. I love you. You've helped me immensely in my whole life. But I, that's just not where I would put you. Okay. I wonder if this was the Enneagram situation where women are taught to be that way and it may not really be who you are. Fine. So I'm a two and then the second one right behind it is a seven. Let me tell you where I related to the two. Okay. The two being the helper. Again, I'm not going to get into it because Bean just got into it. But I do think that I have a great deal of empathy. hundred percent. And that I'm very affectionate and demonstrative, which they said, right? Yes. I also think that I, at my worst, which is what I think getting into conflict means, um, can be possessive. I can worry a lot. And I can also do things out of a desire to people please from very similar origin stories of taking care of mom um, or family members. Um, so this is what spoke to me. It said, twos exemplify the desire to feel loved, to connect with others in a heartfelt way and be a source of benevolence and love in our world. And when I think about yeah. like leaving my career and doing right. what I do, it's like I couldn't be coaching people to reconnect to their higher selves if I didn't want the world to feel like they loved themselves. So I got I that. that. Yeah. Okay. Then it said that I'm generally interested in other people and the details of their daily lives, which... I, I don't I don't feel like that applies. So I think we're deciding right. that that's bullshit. All right. So then number seven, which is the second one, just quickly. Wow, I was so off. I'm really upset about this. I know. We're going to have to reevaluate things. Okay. The enthusiast. Just tell me if this sounds like me quickly. Excitable, spontaneous, curious, yes. optimistic, eager, outgoing, future-oriented, adventurous, and talkative. Then in, in, at my worst, scattered, distracted, restless, impatient, Thrill-seeking, escapist, overextended, demanding, and excessive. I think this is my oldest child. When yeah. I read that earlier, I thought, oh my gosh, that is exactly my oldest. And she and I vibe hard. Oh, you do. You vibe pretty hard. She even just said she wants to come visit you oh, by herself. Didn't she just say that? <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'll just go by myself, I need you, mom. mom. Yeah. Um, I call her bean lit. So anyway, I don't know. I think maybe what you're saying about a lot of women falling into the two influenced the answers. Yeah, and a lot. Um, then that made us fall into it. Okay, so here are my pros and cons on the Enneagram, yeah. right? I felt like while I was taking it, number one, I texted you and I was like, what the fuck? Why is this 40 minutes long? Fine. That's just right. my impatience. What happens in these questions when you fall in the middle? Like there was two exactly. options. It was like one was like, are yes. you diplomatic, charming and ambitious or direct, formal and idealistic? It's like, can I be diplomatic and idealistic at the same time? I took like 45 pictures of questions because every single one I kept being like, either I'm neither and I have to pick one that like cl more closely applies to me or I'm both. Yes. And I have to label myself as one or the other. There was no yes. in between. Yes. Agreed. And I also feel like using just my own now method and language. I was doing this test and I was thinking about like my clients and I was like, 
answering these questions depends on whether you're like in alignment with your higher frequency or you're coming from your limited self. True. I tried to do it fast. That's why, because I wanted to get like a gut response. Yes. So I didn't try to overthink it. I wanted to be like, just what is my gut reaction to this? Yeah, I get it. I just think that like, if you're having a shitty day, maybe you retake it. Maybe if we retake it, it would be different. That's the other thing. Like how you're feeling about yourself one day is so different than next. This is my number one criticism of personality tests. I'm sorry, personality test lovers. But when you get put into a bucket or a category and then you self-identify as that bucket and category, it can be so destabilizing to learn different things about yourself or feel differently or act differently than what the bucket is giving you space to be. And then what happens is we judge ourselves because we've been taught to address any like abnormality in ourselves with shame. And so when you're given like a number or a MBTI, which we'll get into, and then you act outside of it, I think you won't have as much curiosity about that aspect of yourself. You'll start with self-judgment, which will shut down the exploration of that aspect. Like you'll be like, that's not who I am. So why am I even? Right. Or like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. I'm I'm not going to wear that because that doesn't really go with my personal style. But like, wear that, wear that, man. Wear that t-shirt. Wear that shirt. Right. It's too restrictive for me. It's too constricting. I felt that way about the Enneagram for sure. Yeah. Not so much as the other one. Okay, let's get into it really quickly. We talked about the Enneagram a long time. So I I guess I just don't have time to really get into the 16 personalities. Oops. So it's called the 16 personality types. I was confused by that because I know it as sounds pretty sounds pretty direct. No, not confused. <laughs> sounds by- like you're probably gonna have one of sixteen personalities. <laughs> Thanks. I wasn't confused by the damn name. I was confused okay. about why it was called that because my old ass remembers it as Myers Briggs type indicator, the MBTI, right. which I was given in the agency world several times. Oh, you were? Yes, which is now why you are going to have my opinions on this one. But the MBTI categorizes human behaviors based on eight attitudes that go from like extroversion to introversion, sensing to intuition, thinking to feeling, judging and perceiving. It was based on Carl Jung's research around psychology types in 1921. But this is the thing I didn't know that I think is fascinating. A mother and daughter took this psychological types from Jung and then in World War II used them to develop a career quiz for women to figure out how women can get the right job, you know, during World War II, like the men were all gone. Right, right. The women finally had a chance to do some stuff. And these two mother and daughter duo figured out how to use these psychological types to create the 16 personality types to help women match with the right job to get them out into the field and get them matched, which I loved. I didn't realize this was a feminist icon story. I love that. Right? So then they put them in these type indicators and you are like one of each of the types Right. So you're like an ISTJ, which would be introversion, sensing, thinking, judging. Right. Um, And then they did that in the 40s. And then, you know, it kind of quiets down. And then in the 90s, late 90s and 2000s, it explodes again because HR teams realize that this is a good way to help their employees understand themselves better. And they start giving these MBTI tests or 16 personality types, which is where I originally took mine. um, And then corporations have been using them ever since. That's the end. Can I just ask, 
what they did with the information, I, uh-huh. this is all new to me because I have not been in the corporate world in a w- long time. At Edelman, how did we use it? Yeah. What did they do once they had this information about you? Then what? Okay. So you were given the report. And I do think that the intention was really phenomenal because it was around understanding yourself better and your motivations better, right. but also then in teams talking about yourself through these personality types so other people could understand how to work with you better. And I, what I love about it is like when I'm mediating conflict, I really work with people on not taking shit so personally. And I right. think this really helps that, right? Because if I'm a extrovert and I know you're an introvert, then without being so you know, bummed that you're not reacting immediately to something I'm asking you or taking it personally and thinking you don't understand me or you don't like what I have to say. I can just be like, Bean is an introvert. Let me give her 24 hours. She'll come back. I like that about it. I feel like it does allow you to understand yourself better and it allows other people to understand you better. Do you need a test to tell you that? Well, exactly. Um, But This is where I think it goes wonky. And I didn't really experience this, but I've been reading articles about this and I just had a sense that this could happen. But there's claims of workers being denied promotions, hiring or leadership opportunities, all of this kind of thing because of their results of this 16 personality test. This is an article in the New New Hampshire Business Review. I know that's a popular one. Wow. I read it every day. I thought that was really, I could feel it. Here are some other hilarious headlines I found. Which 16 personality type is the best in bed? Oh, hi <laughs> I don't know how that works, but okay. It's mine. There was uh-huh. another one on the first anniversary of the Ukraine war. Putin, Zelensky, and Biden's 16 personality type and how it describes how we got into this situation to begin with. Fascinating. Don't even ask me. So again, back to being really limited. I even have a note that says major what the fuck moment. Taylor Swift is a famous American singer, songwriter, and director with an ESFJ personality type, according to the Meyer Briggs type indicator. And then they go on to describe her songs and why her songs are ESFJ. Listen, I get it. Like, I think that's interesting. Are you mad about that? I, think I that's just interesting. think it's it more dimensionally, it's more dimensional than that. It's not just that she's an ESFJ. It has to do with her belief systems. It has to do with her desires. It ha- I don't know. I just, like I said, it feels I too limiting you. to me, girl. All right. I guess if you see it as limiting, it's too limiting. Like for me, I just used it as enlightening. Oh, that's interesting. And there was one that section that talked about personal growth and areas for personal growth for types yes. like myself. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yes. What I don't want it to do in organizations, though, is like allow people to feel like they can just assume things about you or put you in a certain bucket or God, in the worst case scenario, according to that article, like say you can't get promoted because you're too introverted based on the MBTI or the 16 personality. Did you take the test, Bean? Oh, I took the test. Oh, yeah. All right. I I guess yours. I guess yours. Yes. Tell me yours. Yes. I guess you are a commander, which is bold, imaginative and strong willed leaders always finding a way or making one which I think I mentioned with your personality in the last one, you're super adaptable. Like if it's not going to work, you're just going to make a path. You always have been like that. And I love it. Wait, you got it exactly right. I I needed that. Extroversion, intuition, thinking, and judging. It means that I'm extroverted. It means I use my intuition. It means that. that I think through processes and that I, I don't know what the judging one is again. I don't feel very judgmental. I just was super judgmental in this episode a lot, but I really try not to be. And I feel like you were judgmental before we got on and you were like, not trying to be judgy. And I was like, but you are being judgy. 
Okay, I thought that you were the giver. E-I-F-J. Oh, e- I didn't get those letters. E-N-F-J. Yeah. The giver. Yeah, that's not what I was. I'll just tell you what I was. I was the protagonist, the protagonist, charismatic and inspiring leader, able to mesmerize their listeners. I have to say leader kept coming up for me in this. And I don't think of myself as a leader. I'm not a follower, but I don't think of myself as a leader. Um, I think that you're a leader. You know why? I love that about you. Why? Because you are so clear about what you believe in a way that is um, fair, but unshakable. And you are the least um, validation-oriented person that I have in my life in that you just are like, I don't know, this is what it is. like, And I believe it and I really value that belief I have. And so what other people think about it doesn't really shake my vision, which I think is literally what a leader. I had this conversation this morning. You did? I literally just had this conversation. Tell me. With who? (sighs) It's almost embarrassing to share. I don't even know if I want this to make it into the podcast. We'll cut it. It was this whole, I've had this history of people assuming I'm less intelligent than I am. And this morning, my five-year-old told me that he thinks my eight-year-old is more intelligent than I am. My husband (laughs) thinks it's from this whole other situation that happened regarding something totally different. I think this has actually been a theme in my life. Um, that I'm not insecure about, although my husband kept saying, you must be, otherwise you wouldn't be asking me. And I kept saying, no, I truly don't care. It doesn't matter if you don't think I'm intelligent because I know I'm intelligent. So you can think what you want. I'm only curious what I give off that gives people that impression. I'm just curious. Yes. I'm curious. That's I it. agree. When you ask questions about yourself, it really is to enlighten True. you. It's not to validate you. I don't you. need the validate. I know I'm smart. Yeah. I know I'm smart. Yeah, yeah. I know I'm smart. <laughs> Prove it. I, first of all, think it's really funny that your five-year-old oh told you that. I was like, what? What? I didn't even address. I was just like, okay, okay buddy. Thank you. <laughs> but then I guess he got in my head, but not in a way that I was like, am I smart? Does my five-year-old think my eight-year-old? I just was like, interesting. What is my life? What made him come to that conclusion? I'm curious what made him think that. Ta- me too. I'm going to interview him. I told my mom and she was like, but doesn't he see you helping the girls with their homework? I was like, yeah, but that's, <laughs> that's not it. But yeah. <laughs> that is so cute. I love that story. Thanks. Can't believe you didn't want to tell it. Okay. Listen, Bean, let's wrap let's this up. Wrap Bring up. this home. I thought we should just really quick round up pros and cons of personality tests. I'm going to kick us off on the cons. All right. Kick it off. Like I said, again, my problem in life is absolutes. I really want to encourage the world to be more curious about their dimensions and the shading in between the black and white, and all of the ways that we are a million aspects of a million different things for a million different reasons. And so the absolutes and the putting ourselves into buckets makes me a little nervous because my fear is that it will shut down the self-exploration. It'll give you a label, and then you'll be judgmental about anything that's outside of that. So it's that. It just felt like the questions were a little too binary. Yes. You're either this or you're that. There was no complexity in there. And then finally, listen, my work is about you knowing and trusting who you are from within. So ultimately, I have a teeny problem with needing an external source to tell you who you are rather than doing the exploration and figuring out who you are. But I know that there's some pros. You tell me your cons and then we'll go into that. I think my cons are exactly the same as yours. That if you take it as something that's very limiting, if you 
if you um, use it in that way and you don't use it just as like a springboard, then it's a problem. Right. But if you're going to use it and just kind of pick and choose what is helpful to you, which is kind of how I approach life, like, you know, a little bit from here and a little bit from there, then I think it's beneficial. It gives, it did give me a little bit of self-reflection, gave me a couple moments of pause. And now I am actually really curious about other people in my life, what they would come up as. I'm just. But how would you use it if you knew what they came up as? Maybe I could just for my own sake, get a better understanding into the way they tick doesn't have to yeah. be the only way they tick, but like, oh, I see. That's that's how you view that. And that's why you operate in this way. Yes. Which is my number one thing on my pros list is that they use very non-judgmental language, both of them. Yes. When they're giving you your reading, your readout. And I think that because the language is so non-judgmental, it's a really good facilitator for let me look at you, other person, or myself from another angle. So the things about you that I think you feel are negative or shameful, it does a good job of telling you you do them because you're under pressure and why, and not right. making you feel like further shameful about it. So I like the non-judgmental aspect of it. And then it does facilitate self-discovery and growth. And, and maybe there's some personal accountability in there too, that when you're reading these hopefully sort of truths about yourself and they talk to you about how you act under pressure, it did make me actually pause on some of the ones that were under pressure for me and be like, ooh, you do do that. And how can you slow your roll? It did make me pause as well. Like you were talking about, I, I know what's right and wrong in my life. And I can be a little, if I feel like you're veering off of what I believe is right and wrong, I can be a little like, whoa, who do you think you are? Yes. And that gave me pause. Yes. yes. All right. Agreed. So all in all, personality tests, take them or leave them, Bean? Take them with a grain of salt. Like you should take a lot of these things. And if you're going to do the work and you're going to really explore deeper, like then maybe you can use it as a, as a springboard to really get to know yourself better. But other than that, I'm going to say it's like a BuzzFeed quiz, <laughs> maybe a little more in depth. <laughs> That's the headline. This has been another episode of Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. This podcast is co-hosted by me, Maury Fontanez, and Melissa Grushka. Special thanks to my production team, Anushri Thekadeh, Arman Kassam, and Anais Islami. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. See you then. Bye.